live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Studio A in Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Joining me here in studio, he is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, who served that last count under four presidents. He's Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And live from Boca del Vista, Florida, he is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy. He is Admiral Ken Cardine. Hello, Al- uh, hello, Admiral Ken. Greetings from a very, very red Boca del Vista. Very good. And joining us from the city that they had to name twice, the Big Apple, New York City, she is the former attorney for the Hillary Clinton campaign in uh, the great state of Ohio in 2016. She is Sharmila Achari. Hello, Sharmila. Hello, Justin and gang. So, uh, so Alan, you're here in studio with me. What did you do this weekend? Anything exciting? <laughs> well, along with most of the country, um, I mean, did I mean I I I watched uh, some James Bond movies, watched an American President. Well, it was after all nice, the, nice weekend, the, the first weekend of March Madness. That's true. So there was yeah, a lot of that's true. Duke going almost on. got taken up by UCF. Ha- had some had some relatives right. in town. Um, and of course, was waiting to hear whether uh, William Barr, the Attorney General, would have more to say, which oh. he suggested he likely oh, that, would. Uh, oh, uh, that's right. Uh, about case, the, the Mueller case, report. Case you might have been living on Mars. Uh, the Mueller report has been. Well, first of all, the the big news on Friday was that uh, Friday, the pe- previous Friday, from when we record these episodes. That the Mueller report had, in fact, been submitted, that the investigation is now closed, uh, and that uh, they are pretty much closing down the Office of Special Counsel, with a few exceptions, including Robert Mueller sticking around. And then on Sunday, uh, the Attorney General transmitted a letter giving his understanding in a briefing to House Judiciary and Senate Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler from New York on the House side, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham uh, of South Carolina, Republican on the Senate side. And about the time that that paper hit the Internet, you could hear the revving engines of the victory lap of the White House going forward. Uh, So many things. We're going to go in-depth on this. Uh, but number, let's start with the actual release of it, which we got word of that they had actually released. They had actually closed down the investigation, submitted the report to attorney general, Bob Barr, uh, William, William Barr, Bill Barr. I'm sorry. Um, are you surprised, Alan, that it came as suddenly as it did? I know that there have been rumors, but. There was still some open-ended questions that everybody thought was still out there, and they just kind of went, nope, here you go. There will always be open-ended questions. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised if if we still didn't have it. That wouldn't have surprised me. There had been rumors that it was coming out for a couple of weeks. Um, so it, it, and doing it on a Friday afternoon is not a big surprise. That tends to tamp down uh, some of the attention that's possible uh, in the moment. Um, 
so, no, I wasn't surprised. And, and I think in fairness to, to the attorney general, when he informed the Hill that he had the report, he said, I hope to have something to you about the conclusions of the report perhaps as early as this weekend. We'll talk more about that. And Admiral Ken, uh, the the timing on this was about the timing that the, the, the president and the administration had been taking a couple of hits uh, on foreign policy. There were hits regarding Israel. There were hits regarding North Korea. It was looking like a bad week for the White House, and then all of a sudden, sprinkle some magic pixie dust, and voila, you've got the closing of the Mueller report. How nervous do you think the White House was in that span between Friday and Sunday afternoon? Um, I, I guess I'm, I, I've become kind of cynical with regard to all of this. I, I think that – I think – my my opinion would be is that they were a little nervous. I think that they they kind of knew um, that nothing uh, big was going to happen. That um, um, that there was not going to be um, a call for an indictment. Um, I don't think that um, um, that uh, Attorney General Barr and Rob Rosenstein. Uh, leaked anything to the White House, but you know, you and I worked in government long enough to know that if something really big was coming down the pike, something big, bad, and ugly, um, then I think there would have been a little bit more tension, uh, I guess, in Washington D.C. So, um, especially in the White House. So, I guess my 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 opinion is I think they were they were a little nervous because they didn't know exactly what uh, was going to be said by. Barr and Mueller, but I don't think that they were, you know, sitting, you know, uh, in a dark room, uh, uh, crawled up in the fetal position or anything like that. Sharmila, you know, we here in in the belt, inside the beltway here in D.C., were kind of surprised that we did a 36-hour stint without the president tweeting. Was that the president showing restraint or was that... Uh, somebody literally duct taping the president uh, down in Mar-a-Lago. Without being there, I can't tell you definitively, but I think it probably was the president showing restraint and you know taking time to really process what the what the Mueller report and what uh, the attorney general's summation of the report actually said and what it meant for him. I think that you know. It was likely smart of him to take that time to really understand the findings and to craft a message, right? Because I think he knows how widely his tweets are watched, and that first message out of the gate would, is going to be what sets the tone for the message he's going to you know, keep repeating through 2020. So I think it was smart of him to wait to really think about the implications of the report and you know, what that meant for him before crafting that message. Uh, let's talk about the, the actual report itself. Now, there is a lot of speculation going on. We have not seen the actual report. The only person 
uh, to my understanding, who has seen the report are the people who actually wrote it and the attorney general and the deputy attorney general, Rod Rodenstein. You're shaking your head no. Who else has seen the actual report? Uh, I think that that in the letter from uh, from the attorney general and from other reports, um, the the head of the office of legal counsel at, at uh, justice has been not only seen it, but he and some of his people and others at justice. This is the White were, House Counsel's office, or no, no, Office of Legal Counsel at Justice, DOJ, okay. sort of the Justice Department's lawyers. Lawyer, right. Um, the, if, if you look at the bar letter, you'll see a reference to the fact that that Office of Legal Counsel and other members of the Justice Department have been involved in this process from the beginning, and that's important. Because for those who think, how could Barr and Rosenstein get uh, a letter out so fast on a report of still unknown length that is presumably hundreds, maybe a thousand pages, we don't know. And the answer is because Rosenstein has been briefed on the contents for Almost two years from the beginning, he was overseeing it. He would see it, and they would bring in other people as necessary. A very small circle, but there's nothing in the report that would be a, would have been a surprise, not only to Rosenstein, but also presumably to the attorney general, who's now been on board long enough to have caught up to where we were, so they would have known the timing, they would have known the findings. You think that Bill Barr had enough time to get up to speed on a two-year investigation to be able to, you know, solidify that letter that he sent to the Hill? Not only that, I think the reason he said on Friday that he hoped to have something even this weekend... This has been in the preps. ...was because they probably already had a draft of what was released on Sunday night. That's my hunch. Sharmila, um, obviously, uh, lots of questions are are coming up as a result of the uh, Attorney General Barr letter to the Hill. Uh, the The summary that the Attorney General gives, and we'll get into the details in it here later. But does in what you've read or what you've seen, does the Attorney General uh, represent the report well enough to where it won't cause a full-blown reaction to get the report released? Sorry, Justin, I didn't quite follow the question. Did, did, Bill, did, did, did Bill Barr do a good job of getting the briefing of the report well enough that nobody's going to explode if he doesn't release the report in its entirety? Um, I mean, I think he did a good job of summarizing it, but I don't think that that will preclude Democrats from having a hissy fit if the full report is not disclosed, right? I mean, at this point, Democrats have been pretty embarrassed, and they're going to, you know, aside from all the legal sort of, you know, reasons to want to see the report in in full, they're going to, they have significant political reasons for wanting to be able to pour over the entire report and being able to point to any you know, passages or sentences that could potentially back up the assertions they've been you know, touting for the last two years, which is you know, 
making the president seem, you know, more culpable than this report would make him out to be. So, or, you know, seizing on any sort of embarrassing or incriminating details that the report may hold. So I don't think, I think, I think the attorney general put together a competent summary, but I don't think that that competent summary is going to preclude House Democrats from clamoring to see the full report. Alan Moore? Well, no one expects that we've heard the end of it. The letter itself indicates that the that the attorney general is now going they that that they are that the the justice department on behalf of the attorney general are going through the report to remove things that they may not include one grand jury grand jury testimony right two classified intelligence three Items relating to individuals who have not been charged. Now, that's mostly probably going to be the the, the grand jury stuff. But the and, and then third or fourth, other legal matters that are still in the courts, mostly up in the Southern District of New York. They don't want to interfere with uh, with litigation that's in process. I don't know how much stuff fits into that category, but clearly some of it does. They need to pull that out before they release something. But what what the attorney general has said is, we're doing this as expeditiously as we possibly can, and we will be releasing this information as soon as it's ready. So no one is saying in inside the Justice Department, hey, folks, this is it. It's not being said. So it's to, to say... Hey, it's not enough. You would be echoing what William Barr is saying. But you, but you, you, but listening to the Democrats, it's almost like they're taking their dry powder and just waiting for the whites of their eyes to show up and saying, "Oh my God, they're never going to release this. We're never going to see the real report. We're going to have hearings." And I mean, Admiral Ken, is that going to work for the Democrats in this case? They're in the house. I guess a couple of points before I answer that directly. Um, One, um, you know, it's pretty much been said that this report, while it did found no evidence that the president, uh, you know, uh, conspired with the Russians to uh, win the election, it in no way exonerates him. Uh, I think that was a point that um, that 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 the, the summary made. Number two, I think it's too early to tell whether that was a good summary or not. None of us have seen the report. We only can take Bill Barr's um, opinion that um, that the summary is 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 uh, right in line with what's going on. Um, the president, you know, unlike maybe the Justice Department, is saying, "Yeah, this is it. You know, I'm off scot free. Let's get on with things." And then finally, uh, the Democrats. Uh, I think the Democrats were looking for uh, a save from from John Mueller, and it's 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 not there. And so I think what you're going to see is full speed ahead with a lot of the investigations. Uh, I think that the, the danger there is that they may step on something which would um, inadvertently damage some of the, the, uh, the, the, the investigations that are going, in, going on in the Southern District of New York. Uh, I'm gonna, I think we're going to have to depend on the professionalism of Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, who basically has done a pretty good job up until now. I, I mean, it pains me to say this. By saying, "Look, no, no, 
you know, there's no reason to think that we need to impeach this person. And now she's got the backing of the Mueller report to justify that opinion. So I think, like I said, I think the, the, the Democrats are going to go full speed ahead. Uh, they, they really have got a, a, a thing for Donald Trump, not that he doesn't deserve it. But, you know, my best advice to, to, to folks that are Democrats is you guys need to pick a, a candidate for 2020 that can win. Because if you're looking for the courts or anybody else to, to do to do something else other than uh, uh, taking Trump out um, through an election, I think you're, you're wasting your time. Sharmila is the attorney on air with us right now. We've got we've got two of your type on the show. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you this question because I, I want to get into the there's so many outstanding questions from the Bill Barr uh, summary to the Hill. First question that comes to mind is why didn't the Office of Special Counsel talk to Trump in person? I, as a as a as a litigator or as a prosecutor, I would have thought that would have been key. So my understanding was that the president refused to sit down for an interview. Well, I know they've been hemming and, and hawing that, about it. I mean, I think that was the main cause, right? Um, I think it was that the president's lawyers advised him that sitting down for an interview was. You know, not a smart course of action for him, and he followed that advice, and special counsel did not, for whatever reason, feel that it was appropriate or authorized to issue a subpoena for the president's testimony, and so they forewent it. I don't think it's the explanation is more complicated than that. But, but there's In a perfect pre- world, of course, they would have interviewed the president. But, there, but there's, right? and that, but there's and precedent. There's precedent, Sharmila. I mean, we go back to the case against William Jefferson Clinton and the the video testimony, the depositions all happened. Well, hey, that was a that was different. That was a subpoena in a civil trial that was unrelated to his duties as president. Right? The actions that gave rise to that trial preceded his term as the president of the United States. This is very different, right? This is a criminal a potential criminal probe into actions that occurred while he was president of the United States. Alan Moore? Yeah, yeah, hold, on, hold on. Alan Moore? No, Sharmila is absolutely right about about the, the the difference, A. And B, if one is saying there's a precedent, the precedent is if you're president, don't talk under oath. Take the Fifth Amendment if you have to. Don't do it. Can it's the a perjury trap. Absolutely he can do it until, you know, unless somebody wants to impeach him over it. So so I don't think Bill, Cl- <laughs> Bill Clinton's example is one that would carry any weight with this White House. The president himself wanted to testify. <laughs> oh, there's lots of evidence of that. And his lawyers, one after another after another, again and again and again said, no, no, no. Here's what will happen to you. Here's what will happen to you. And so there was a written interrogatory, and that was all there was. So it wasn't a lack of interest. And and it, and this is key when you get to the question of presidential intent regarding the obstruction question. How do you measure his intent? Well, the best way to do it is to talk to the person, but he was not going to talk at the end of the day, and then you have to rely on what other people report about what he might have said to them. And Sharmila, check my math on this, but my understanding was that uh, from what I've read of the bar letter to the Hill 
was that one of the reasons why they did not pursue charges of obstruction against the president was the fact that there was there was no general sense of probable cause or enough evidence of probable cause or enough probable cause and evidence to get a conviction of the president on those charges was that the Mueller team punting or was that a smart call I think right Bob Mueller by all accounts is an incredibly competent incredibly thorough attorney right and so He's not. He's not Michael Avenatti, who's going to you know make up evidence where it doesn't exist, or you know, throughout or, or try and extort Nike for twenty million dollars. But we'll talk about that right? in another yeah. show. <laughs> We're dealing with a very with a, a lawyer with an incredibly high level of integrity who understands you know the elements to establish a case for an indictment. Right in this case, the Mueller team on you know both aspects of the crime of obstruction. Right there is the act. It's like to establish a crime of obstruction. Excuse me. To establish a crime of obstruction, you need to show motive and action, right? Action and intent. And the Mueller team concluded that they did not have sufficient evidence to establish either the act or the motive in, in the case of the president, you know, committing obstruction. And so a declination to prosecute based on lack of evidence doesn't mean that the crime did not occur or that, you know, they don't think he's, he could have committed the crime. It simply means we don't have enough evidence at the time to justify an indictment and certainly not a conviction. Admiral, right? Admiral Ken, do you, do you think that this was the Mueller team taking the easy way out? No, I don't. But, you know, you got to you gotta look at the, uh, the box that they were in, you know. So uh, it's Justice Department um, protocol that you can't indict a sitting president. You know, fundamentally, I have an issue with that because I think that in some regards puts the president above the law. But uh, I think they had to basically come up with a slam dunk. I mean, just something completely irrefutable in order to be able to say, hey, we can't, you know, we can't ignore this. I mean, you know, it might smell bad in here, but boy, that's a big pile of poop over there in the corner. We can't ignore this. And I don't think they saw that. Alan Moore. Yeah, the, the the big one of the big questions that comes out of the Mueller reports, the, the little that we do know about it and what the attorney general said about it is why did Mueller punt on the question of either saying we don't find sufficient grounds for for an indictment were we able to do one which they can't or we 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 do find there is sufficient grounds. They punted on it and and basically said there's information, evidence on both sides. There's no other conclusion. What Barr and Rosen Rosenstein did is, and they'd obviously had a lot of time to think about this and probably conversation time with Mueller in recent weeks was made this determination. The problem with all of that was that you take this, if you will, non-political person, Mueller, um, whose responsibility was to gather the information, draw conclusions, um, and not draw a conclusion on the obstruction case, give it to the political leadership of the department and introduce 
a, a degree anyway of partisanship into this determination. That was no favor to them, but my but, hunch is what he was getting at. It, it reminded me a little bit of what then FBI Director Jim Comey did when the Attorney General had to, to, to recuse herself from the Hillary Clinton stuff. Comey came out and said, not enough to indict, but... There's a whole bunch of things she did wrong, wrong right. and he took a lot of grief, justifiably so, for for going there. Mueller didn't have to go there. Mueller could simply say, we'll let the the leadership of the department and the Congress and the public who do need to see this to draw their own conclusions. We can't indict him. But he, but Mueller chose not to make a finding of what his recommendation would have so been. So the exact quote that Barr cited to the Hill and, and what Mueller put in his report apparently is, quote, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him, unquote, as Admiral Ken pointed out earlier. My question to you, Sharmla, is with... With Bill Barr being the attorney general, there's a memo that he wrote back in 2018 as a private citizen where he wrote, quote, uh, in talking about uh, the firing of FBI Director James Comey and the tie into obstruction of justice with the president, uh, the attorney general wrote as a private citizen, quote, Mueller should not be able to demand that the president submit to an interrogation about alleged obstruction if embraced by the department. This theory would have potentially disastrous implications, not just for the presidency, but for the executive branch as a whole and the department in particular. To me, that's almost like a telegraph uh, that... Barr was never going to throw paper on the president. Is that accurate? Um, I would not say it's a telegraph. I would say it's strongly indicative of his feelings, right? You know, memos you write as private citizens, opinions you hold as private citizens, obviously bear, you know, have a bearing on your on your actions when you're in a position. But I don't know that it's dispositive to say, to say that, you know, had had evidence perhaps been different, you know, had had there been more concrete or conclusive evidence that the special counsel had found that, you know, Barr would have swept it under the rug or not acted upon it. Admiral, can you agree? Uh, I, I, I like the word telegraph, honestly. I, I really do. Um, I, I, you know, I think part of the problem that, that, that a lot of us have had in the last two and a half years is that we're used to a more nuanced approach to doing things. There's nothing nuanced about the, about Trump world. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's way too much, you know, I guess trying to look the other way and trying to, you know, paint Donald Trump and what goes on around, around him uh, in the same light that we've done previous presidencies, and you, you just can't do that if the, the theory falls down er, every time. And, and I want to ask one question: Does does anyone remember 
some number of months ago when everybody was thinking that that Trump was going to fire uh, Rob Rosenstein and Rob Rosenstein uh, went to the White House and all of a sudden all the all the uh, the uh, the rumors about his impending um, uh, um, I guess doom um, kind of went silent. I really think going back to, you know, an earlier part of our conversation, I think that, you know, while there was not uh, a leak going on, I think that there was some relative assurance to the president that, you know, he could keep making all the noise that he wanted to. But the fact of the matter is nothing, nothing really was going to come of it. I just believe that. Well, I, I, I don't know if I believe that, but I do have, I do have this question though. Alan Moore Talking to people that have that have worked with or worked for uh, Mueller in the past, the DOJ and at the Bureau, um, they say that it, their feeling is that, that that Mueller did not move forward or force the hand of the department to move forward on implicating the president in obstruction because he's a very risk adverse lawyer. And by that they mean unless he's got a bulletproof Teflon case and the president dead to rights that there, there was never going to go any it was never going to go any forward than just the findings in the report. Is is that is that is is that a logical step to take by Mueller and the department? I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's certainly a conceivable course. I, I do tend myself to lean uh, instead towards this not an easy call. A lot of information and evidence on both sides. I don't feel comfortable making the call either way, and I'm therefore going to turn this over to the attorney general and virtually guarantee down the road that when this information comes out, other people will be able to have an, make an independent judgment. I am not going to tip the scale. Fair enough. All right, we're going to let that be the last word for this segment. We're going to continue our in-depth discussion. This is a special edition of Backroom Politics. We're talking about the Mueller report. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Stay with us. That's the way I feel today. Because he's making a plaything of my devotion That's the way I feel today Without any reason Or a word to say That man turned his keys in He packed and went away What good is living I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean That's the way I feel today
from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back with the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's our special edition. In-depth coverage of the Mueller report finally closing out after two years and millions and millions of dollars. Hey, before we go any further, I, I, just kind of a side administrative note. Uh as everybody knows, we we broadcast live or, or we live to us from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington D.C., your nation's capital. And uh, Charlie and Oscar have installed a coffee machine, which is just outstanding. Uh, we, uh, Alan whatever, and I, whatever are, it takes, gentlemen, whatever it takes. I, I got to tell you something. We love the coffee. Thank you. And Starbucks just pulled out of the building, so we're like, thank God. Uh, Alan, a big fan of the coffee. Well, the problem is I don't usually drink full-blown coffee at uh, this time of the afternoon, but I'm done now. I'm, yeah, you're wired. I'm, I'm going to be uh, uh, I'm going to be stopping by there on a regular basis. There, there you go. A line from Jurassic Park: "Spared no expense." Exactly. No expense. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Speaking of sparing no expense, uh, we're talking about the Mueller report and the uh, the just to kind of summarize uh, on last Friday uh, the. Attorney General had announced that the report had been submitted, and on Sunday, he transmitted his findings in brief up to the chair, the chairman of House Judiciary and Senate Judiciary, one Jerry Nadler of New York in the House, one Lindsey Graham of South Carolina in the Senate. Uh, back to the discussion, though, is... Charlotte, let me ask you from a legal standpoint, and then I'll ask from a political strategy standpoint. From a legal standpoint, why would Mueller put the words does not exonerate in the obstruction if he wasn't going to move forward on any sort of uh, legal action against the president? Because I think he wanted to be clear about his intentions so that it was not you know, misinterpreted for political purposes, right? Lack of sufficient evidence does not mean innocent. It means there's a lack of sufficient evidence. Does, does that leave, Sharma, does that leave the option open for them at some time if something comes up? Because they're still talking, they're, I mean, they're still talking right? to uh, people like um, the president's former attorney, uh, the, uh what, I can't remember. Don McGahn. Yeah, yeah, Don McGahn. They're still talking to uh, his own personal attorney. Not the president's former attorney. He was the White House counsel. Well, he was White House right. counsel, but the, the president's right. former loyal Micah Cohen. They were. Uh, they're still talking to Roger Stone, I believe. Uh, does this leave the option open for them to do something in the future? Certainly. I mean, look, uh, the attorney general specified in his notes to in his note to Congress that the special counsel has referred, you know, various parts, various findings, various parts of his investigation to the Department of Justice and to other offices, right? We know that Mueller has, you know, shared information, cooperated with the Southern District of New York. I'm sure that, you know, he has, you know, shared information and cooperated with other, you know, either federal uh, prosecutors or state attorneys general where appropriate and where he's found you know, information that could pertain to an investigation that they are currently engaged in or contemplating engaging in that could support any investigations that they are that they're contemplating. So it certainly doesn't close the door on the president being prosecuted or, you know, indicted in the future on obstruction charges or other charges. It is simply saying that 
the special counsel at the present moment did not find enough evidence to support an indictment. And, you know, another, you know, interesting wrinkle was the fact that, you know, they're finding that the president did not, or anyone in his campaign did not, you know, conspire or collude with the Russian government to influence the election, also influenced their determination to not pursue an indictment for obstruction because the fact that he did not, you know, there was not evidence to support collusion undermined motive for obstruction. Yeah, Martha Stewart oh. spent some time in jail for for obstruction when uh, she the underlying crime she actually did, allegedly did not commit. So obviously that deep bass tone voice that you just heard was not Sharma Chari, but it was joining us from his nanny cave is the former Democratic Biden political operative and attorney here in Washington, D.C. in the great state of Maryland, Dan Lipner. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. When we saw the message, or when we saw the term does not exonerate in the summary from Attorney General Barr, was that Bill Barr trying to insulate himself and the president, or was that him just providing him his own self-cover to saying, look, the door's not necessarily closed, but it's not going to be me? First of all, let me suggest as we discuss this that we don't talk about indicting the president because it's confusing. Everything I know about Justice Department (coughs) rules, regulations, procedures is a sitting president cannot be indicted. Now, a sitting president can be impeached. So the ultimate guillotine hangs out there for a president who has committed high crimes and misdemeanors. But even in the language, even in the language of this letter, what the, the quote from the Mueller report is that it does not conclude that the president committed a crime. It doesn't talk about indictment. It does not conclude that the president committed a crime, and it does not exonerate him. But that has not what, been that, that question is still right, no, Alan, out there. Alan's point, Alan's point matters. So, and this is the craziness of the Republican flip flopping on the revealing the Mueller report. So let me be clear. I thought uh, Jim Comey was bulletproof, and I think Mueller is bulletproof tenfold. So in this particular case, Robert, the the Mueller's statement, we don't know why he didn't act. If he chose not to act to indict a sitting president, because that's Department of Justice guidelines to not indict a sitting president for obstruction, then that's not saying he didn't do something wrong. It's saying that Robert Mueller followed this particular Department of Justice guidelines. Everything we've seen from Robert Mueller is he is a by-the-books guy, and he ran this thing perfectly. While I'm disappointed in what came out of this, because I think there was, I think I still think the president did it. I honestly, I respect the Mueller and I respect his report. What's insane to me is that it's now being withheld. Because after a unanimous vote in the House, Mitch McConnell and some folks are now claiming it's treason to challenge the president. Right, we're we're going to get to that. We're, hold on. Oh, hold on. We're going to get to that. We, I, 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 I want to get to we that. Settle this last week. Well, I, we'll we'll get to that. I, I, I guess the big question we have is: 
until we read the report, do do you feel that um, the fear is that Mueller might have in his full report uncovered evidence of either obstruction and collusion and Bob Barr is again insulating the president and the Department of Justice? Yeah, I mean, that's what's the mystery about this. What what uh, the attorney general's thinking was in jumping so quickly to clear the president outright. I'm certain he had pressures and I, I don't know Bob Barr enough about him to make a judgment one way or the other, but to to issue this statement and then have the all the underlying documents be withheld, I think needlessly created additional mystery. If it all happened at the same time in one foul swoop, arguably the president could have had this all behind him unless there's a lot more in the report that actually creates more problems. I mean, but if, 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 if this, in fact, what we're getting from the attorney general's office is the actual result of, and it's a good summary, which I, I, I have no reason to believe it's not, but if this is a good summary, why if there was no evidence of collusion or interaction, why did so many contacts happen with Russian nationals, and why did they lie about it? Who knows? That, I mean, does that, that make sense? That, 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 sure it does, because people are trying to hide stuff. People conceal things all the time. It doesn't mean that they were colluding. It's that they were embarrassed, or they forgot, or they thought they'd get into some other kind of trouble. And the fact that they didn't collude, and that is the finding, uh, as uh, as a, is a, presented a, by a, the attorney a, general. A, yes, but he does quote from it and says, Mueller, quote, did not find that any member of the Trump campaign conspired or knowingly coordinated with the Russians. So does that mean that it's impossible that somebody might have? It's not impossible, but they talked to 500 people and sent out 2,800 subpoenas. So chances are pretty darn good that anybody who looked at this would not find any collusion. And that's in the newspapers and that's in headlines. And that's the storyline across America that the president jumped on and then expanded to a place that it didn't belong by, in effect, saying exonerated of collusion and obstruction. And we've been focusing on obstruction because that exoneration did not exist. That is not present. And we're going to find out. Unfortunately, Dan missed the first half hour where we covered some of the stuff that he's now raising where we talked about Barr, what he did, why he did it, how fast he right. moved, right. how he had he and Rosenstein had, had 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 access for a significant period of time, what the content was, had probably drafted that letter sometime in the past, not just over the weekend. Rosenstein has been getting daily or twice daily briefings on this stuff for probably 20, 21 and a half months since the thing began. So, so now... It, we're going to see a lot. Are we going to see all of it? We don't know. We, we're going to – Barr has said what he's, what he's trying to remove well, well, let me from read what's the, Let me read the quote from the letter. Is, the attorney general states, quote, I am mindful of the public interest in this matter. And he continues, for that reason, my goal and interest is to release as much of the special counsel's report as I can – 
consistent with applicable law, regulations, and department policies. That leaves a lot for interpretation. Well, it, yes, it does. But he goes on and says, we have to remove grand jury stuff. And you do. Right. It's against right. The we law. went over that. Well, I know we did. Dan 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 wasn't wasn't present when we talked about that. And we have to remove things that are being litigated elsewhere, particularly up in the, the Southern District of New York. And of course you have to protect classified intelligence. Now, that stuff has to be removed. The Congress can demand to see the entire report. They're not going to get that stuff, sure. no matter what happens. Sure, yeah, I, don't, I don't think anyone's anyone's disagreeing with with that. Well, or, but then why are they saying the give us the whole stuff. report, Dan, and you, including you, and and because and a non binding a non binding a non binding resolution? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Shorthand. Sarah Sanders from the White House podium yesterday talked about killing people for treason. I'm going to go out on a limb and say she probably didn't mean that literally. At least I'm hoping they don't. So in this case, I think a little leeway for allowing for the shorthand of, yes, of course, classified information should not be dumped out on the courthouse lawn for everyone to go through. Everything else, considering the long national nightmare that is this issue and this presidency— Dan, it seems useful to get as much of it Dan, out. So as Dan, hold on, hold on. So Dan, Dan hold wants on. grand jury testimony oh, to be Dan, out there. Dan you can't Lipner. do that, Dan. Right, hold on, Dan Lipner. Let me let me go let me go one step further on this. All right, let me just interject. The president who can, under his authority, declassify and reveal what he wants, he's the ultimate authority. He has said the full release of the full Mueller report, quote unquote, wouldn't bother me at all. Why don't we hold the president accountable to that? I think we should. Okay. There, fair enough. Um, Sharmila, looking long term, I mean, we're taking a leap of faith by taking whatever version of the Mueller report that's given to us by the Department of Justice after it's been Red acted for all the things that's going to be covered uh, under our discussion earlier. Uh, can we put faith in this attorney general and this Department of Justice that they're going to give us as transparent a report as they say they will? Or is there enough doubt that this attorney general will be so... Um, protective of the executive and Donald Trump? I think it's too early to tell, right? I mean, Attorney General Barr has only been on the job for, I think, two months. And so far, he seems to have conducted himself, you know, walking, well walking that fine line between transparency that he knows that House Democrats and the, or, you know, all Democrats and, and the American people want, and, you know, not kind of stirring the pot with a very volatile president. And I think um, I have a feeling that White House interference in his ability to release a more transparent report will be minimalized or minimized due to the kind of headline conclusion of the report. I think that, you know, if he is so inclined to release a more transparent and full, you know, less redacted report, he's going to get less resistance from the White House. Um, that being said, I don't think we can say conclusively whether or not he is going to, you know, 
release a more or less trans, transit, uh, transparent report. Dan Lipner, do we see the Attorney General in front of a House or Senate committee in the next month? Absolutely. Everyone's going to want to talk to him. And it's, it's only a matter of where it's going to go and how this is all going to be balanced. There's actually an opportunity here to get all of this behind us. Mind you, at the moment, people are going stir-crazy, and I'm still kind of curious what the president means by investigate the other side for all of this. Um, does he mean the Department of Justice? Does he mean Democrats? Does he mean Republicans? Does he mean... I don't know what he means, but the other side seems to be anything that isn't his people. Alan Ward, do we see Robert Mueller in front of a congressional hearing, Senator House, in the next month? I hope so. I would love to hear from him, particularly on his decision not to come down on one side or the other as to whether a crime of obstruction of justice was committed. Um, I don't know what the rules are, whether he can be compelled to come. Barr is the one who's now responsible, in charge, took control, made a judgment on obstruction. Um, in his words, in, said, and this is the quote, that evidence developed is not sufficient to establish that the president committed an obstruction of justice offense. Um, he's he's going to have to explain that once we see the evidence on both sides. Um, he's a, he's a grown up. I think he'll be able to explain that. He's sure better. Um, uh, or, or he'll be, he'll be ruined and humili humiliated. But, but I, I'm guessing that he will be able to defend himself reasonably well. And he may have Rod Rosenstein sitting next to him right. when he does that, because they are the two people who are identified in this letter as sort of this represents their view. Um, I, I want to see more of the report. I want to hear from Barr, and I would love to hear from Mueller. Right. I, for me, it doesn't have to be next week. It has to be soon. Um, and, uh, and, if, and if there's a redacted letter or something, if we hear there's a thousand-page report and a 400-page summary or a 400-page report and a 50-page and a summary, then there's some explaining that needs to occur. But... There's there are redactions and yes there are judgments on on stuff. There's a whole nother piece that could show up in here, and that's an executive privilege uh, uh, assertion. Right. If for example, because we we know that that senior White House aides were interviewed by Mueller, Reince Priebus was, John Kelly was, Don, Don McGahn, McGahn was, was, right, Jared Kushner was. Um, That's just what we are, know. Those are all very senior aides. Steve Bannon was right. who at the time, and those are those are all people that, should the president choose, I believe he could ex he could exert executive privilege over the release of of information. Dan, I'm Dan, not an expert on that. Dan stuff. Lindner, could could he in fact invoke executive privilege, even though the interviews had already occurred? The report has already been submitted. To me, that sounds like cart before the horse. I mean, it would be tough. So the if 
the questions are about the legitimate functions of the presidency and advising the president for the legitimate functions of the presidency, i.e. nothing in the furtherance of a crime. Yeah, sure. But once you get out of that framework, it gets real hard real quick. I mean, I mean, we have some real time questions here or real examples of both Bill Clinton and Richard Nixon um, a, a, that could have asserted privileges in different ways. Uh, Nixon got smacked down all the way at the Supreme Court at a 9-0 decision, and Clinton had to, had to testify, as did all of his aides, about everything they saw and conversations they had that arguably could have included uh, issues of the actual presidency. So yeah. executive privilege is really a tenuous argument to make. I'm certain this president will make it because um, it would be the most tenuous argument he's ever made. Right. But it, it's a real question. And that said, it shouldn't be done willy nilly. You know, I, it weakens the presidency every time he loses. I, I, was th- I was talking to a couple of journalist friends of mine over the weekend about this subject. And, and I, one of the observations that came up during our discussion was that had had. Bob, had had Bill Barr been the attorney general under Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon doesn't resign. Is that a fair statement, Alan Moore? I mean, no. are there similarities? No. No? No. No. The, 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 the president was caught, in his own words, right. on tape. Darn tapes. Directing a conspiracy. Oh, that, there's that. There was no attorney general who could have covered that this president nixon did his best he 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 fired an attorney general and a deputy attorney general and archibald cox who was pushing hard to get these tapes what no one will ever know is why nixon didn't destroy the tapes right. which he could have done early on but he had this sense of history well, and this 12 minutes and this hubris and this hubris of of thinking that he's going to survive this, and right? At it, 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 which point it became too late. Okay. Well, but but let's not let's not go away too, from that too far too fast. You got to make there it quick. No, we got about there, three there, minutes, there was, Dan. There's no evidence of Nixon having anything to do with the initial break in. So in this case, the conspiracy that that he was a part of was the conspiracy to cover everything else up. Absolutely. So there there was a connection, and so. That's arguably part of what we don't know about Mueller. So hypothetically, if there is no evidence of a crime that they could find, yet the White House was still trying to cover something up, there is an argument there. This is why we need to see the report. It, it, it's, there is this, this huge document out there that all we can do is speculate about. It is, that's not good for anyone. As much as we can get out, we should. By the way, I want it on record. Dan Lipner just used the "if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, did it actually fall?" defense. That's awesome. <laughs> Can uh, we? Are, are we going to talk about this? Well, we, we've got it. We, we, well, we've got make, a whole other show, but we're right. we're going to talk about this. You know, for those who listen to us live on Twitter. Uh, we are going to continue this discussion live for those who download us as a podcast. Download our next episode. We're going to talk about. We're going to finish our discussion on this, and we're going to talk about the aftermath because there is fallout happening in Washington. So keep, hold your thoughts, or do you want to tease it? Well, just just, tease just it. to tease one one thing. 
We have to acknowledge and feel good about the fact that Robert Mueller was able to complete his job. He had the budget. He had the time. He took a lot of grief from the president, but no, there's no evidence that the that the attorney general ever said no right. on anything. They I want to bring that up. I want to bring that up in in the other episode. So anyway, uh, we're going to close down this episode. If you're enjoying this, you can listen to the second uh, episode that we record on this day. Uh, Dan Lipner, Sharamla Chari, out there in the ether sphere. Thank you, Alan Moore here in the in the studio. Uh, as always, Oscar, thank you for running the uh, board for us. Always appreciate that. Charlie and the rest of the folks here at, at Podcast Village. Uh, we will be back for our next episode. Uh, by the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politics. You can follow us on our website, backroompolitics.org. And you can download us, as I've said many times, as a podcast on your favorite podcast streaming uh, apps, whether it's iTunes, Google, uh, Google Podcasts, or even Spotify. We're kind of a big deal now. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, America. Bye-bye.